This week's episode is brought to you by Patreon at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Not only do you get access to every episode a week early and ad-free, but we have tons of extras, including our two newest interviews. We chat with Mike Scully about his time executive producing the show. I ran it through uh, seasons 9 through 12, which I always characterize as the four most consecutive seasons of the show. And we talk with writer Mimi Pond about what it was like to write the first episode of The Simpsons. You know, and I get to be the turd in the punch bowl every single time I tell this story because nobody wants to hear anything bad about The Simpsons. You can find all that and more exclusively on Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons where nobody ever suspects the butterfly. I'm your host Bob Dr. Cheeks Mackey and this is the Laser Time Podcast Network's chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, good mole man to you. Mm, who else? Tanya Harding, sex tape, Chris Antista. Oh boy, real life <laughs> events are happening and today's episode is Around Springfield. Starland Vocal Band, they suck! And today's episode aired on April 30th, 1995, and as always, Chris will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. (gasps) Jazz hands, Bobby, because LucasArts is revving up full throttle. Jacques Chirac is elected president of France, and since you don't have a job and you don't have shit to do, why not watch Ice Cube and Chris Tucker in Friday? This uh, will interest no one, but Full Throttle was their first CD-ROM-only game, so suck at floppy disks. Damn. They left behind those discs. Yes. This is oh. how old uh, 95 was. They used to have talkie versions of their computer games in which you would buy the CD version just for voices, I know, but I... the entire game could be con- conceivably put, be put on floppy disks. I know people with DVD sets know the pain, but like when you have seven floppy disks that are part of your full game and, you, <laughs> and one goes away... You just can't play that yeah, thing anymore. Yeah. It's just over. It's the worst. That's why you got to copy those floppies. Don't listen to copy that rap that guy. In oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Friday was. I didn't see Friday until it started airing on cable. I did not see it in the theaters. It's or, an excellent film on the strength of. I love saying his name. DJ Pooh's script mm. got to mm. go on to write Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. I like when you watch those movies and you see the soon-to-be-famous comedians who have bit parts in it, like Bernie Mac in it. Almost everybody. Debo, Tiny Lister, Uh, John Witherspoon. Well, Tiny Lister, I already knew from his run at Zeus in the WWF. Who could forget? (laughs) Give it. But uh, weren't there several next Friday? Three Fridays. There's There's a Friday trilogy, an animated series. Wow, an animated series. So I think Mm -hmm. Chris Tucker didn't come back for any of them, did he? Nope. I don't know. I think they're talking about a reboot where he does come back. Hmm. Hey, what's he got going on now? Yeah, he's more open to it. Uh, For the longest time, the only things he appeared in were Rush Hour (laughs) films and... Uh, Michael Jackson lost. I, I heard the problem was they couldn't understand the words that were coming out of his mouth. Ah, good one. <laughs> yes. Uh, so today's ah. episode is Round Springfield. It was written by the critic team, just like A Star is Burned. I yes. didn't know that, but then, like, I did while watching it. Like, this is totally <laughs> one of the critic episodes. I mean, yes, there's a lot of topical stuff that probably wouldn't be on The Simpsons in this uh, specific of a joke. It seems like someone had to say, look... It's a very critic joke. You have to change these people's names. Uh, they cannot just be on the show. It can't just be Alan Dershowitz. Yes. Like, yeah. You have to change it slightly. Well, that, uh, that I don't think, like, uh, we've, we've rewatched the whole show together, 
I wouldn't think to revisit Bleeding Gums Murphy. I Absolutely just not. Well, Bleeding Gums Murphy is an important character to Algina oh. Mike Reese because mm-hmm. their first episode, I believe, was Moaning Lisa that they wrote, and Bleeding Gums Murphy is the magical black man in that episode who solves her problems. But he's funny, and he's played by Ron Taylor, but you, we haven't seen him for over 100 episodes. Mm-hmm. So the second he shows up here in a in a hospital gown, I'm like, even then I knew, oh, he's dying. This oh, is you a, did. You knew right as away. As a kid. Yeah, yeah. I, I got hit real hard. Now, did not know. I mean, he he made a few appearances. He sung the he's national a- anthem in Dancing Homer. Oh, that's and true. You, yes. And you, uh, he's a background character a bunch, but yeah. like he, he hadn't talked in a while. And he was actually on the talent show judge panel with skincare consultant oh, Rowena. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. He, he laughed at the refried dog poop. But after after season three, he was uh, gone. But no one really talked mm-hmm. about him. Not- Though this episode two is a real death parade. I'm going to play the death jingle now, yeah. folks. Death stalks you at every turn. Ah, there it is, death. In the commentary recorded 12 years ago for this episode, Mike Reese calls it a real bloodbath. Yes. <laughs> well, so you've got Ron Taylor, the actor who played Bleeding Gums Murphy. He Dead. died in 2002. You've got Steve Allen, who Dead. died not long after that as well. Mm-hmm. And you've also got Phil Hartman. Uh-huh. And now Marsha Wallace as well. And who, Doris Grau. And Doris Grau. So five, five dead, dead people. people. I, I think... Krusty gets canceled now has more dead people in it just thanks to it had more guest stars. It's almost unfair. This uh, and this is also the home to the clip for the death jingle. Indeed, uh, but this also I uh, forgot that I, how much I edited it. <laughs> That's not a straight take. No, yeah, I, it hit me too when I was getting like, oh man, Chris edited it down. Uh, this episode also though is another first for the simpsons which i didn't know until doing research actually for the critic because the two writers of the teleplay mm-hmm. were writers for the critic and that is the writing team of joshua sternin and then jeffrey ventimiglia mm-hmm. now jennifer ventimiglia mm-hmm. so the co-writer is i believe the first trans writer of a wow. simpsons episode and jennifer ventimiglia uh, transition sometimes in the 2010s i i'm not sure exactly uh she and joshua were in the news a few a couple years ago because they had sold a script to uh, be produced by dan savage of savage love column fame to make an autobiographical show about two hollywood writers and one transitions and how what that was like for them and oh, but, you might have an opening if jeffrey tambor's kicked off his show that's true yeah, they're they, still writing partners and i believe they were uh, they said they were 27 when they wrote this episode wow so, super young writers oh, it's never gonna yeah. happen for me is it nope it's, we uh, passed we passed the nope. line chris all right uh, and it, yeah Gen- in. Uh, jennifer pre-transition is on the commentary mm-hmm. yes uh, and though also though I like that this commentary, that they are very open, that this was total awards bait. That yeah. they wanted to make an awards bait episode. They thought, if we kill off a character and have maudlin emotions in it, it'll surely win an award. That's why very rarely do Simpsons have teleplay cl- credits. Yeah, it did look odd. But this one, Al Gene and Mike Reese were like, we want the awards. When the awards come for yeah. this, then we need to get the awards. So they have to get story by credit and gave teleplay to Ventimiglia and Sternin. And as we talked about before, uh, the credited writer is not always the person who came up with the idea for the episode. Rarely but they're, so. They're even. never listed as story, story by. Credits. So yeah. yeah, that's pure uh, Emmy Bates. Call really. that the Spielberg credit. <laughs> <laughs> Though I, also... I said two sentences to two people and they wrote the thing. <laughs> Though I had heard that a- a- Aaron Sorkin was one of the few who made sure he was on those titles. Mm-hmm. Though that it was implied that he did that to get more money for his coke addiction. Yeah, I thought he rewrote the... every script on a cocaine bender or something. Mm-hmm. He's credited to teleplay for most of his 
Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's the deal, too. Like, Matthew Weiner rewrote pretty much every episode of Mad Men. Like, Dan Harmon rewrote mm-hmm. every episode of Community. But it's just it's just the system of doing it. Like, yeah. as showrunner, you still let people have credits. So, as the writer, so they can move up in the world just like you got to do before you were a showrunner. Yeah, but I've rarely had this luxury. But it's really easy to add good jokes when the structure and the places and the things and the timing are already there. Mm-hmm. And I was just rewatching an episode of Community and like, that's a brilliant thing. I don't think I'd have the energy to write if I had this whole scene was my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I just heard Dan Harmon talk about the same thing for Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. Like, he always puts a final stink on every Yeah, he every calls show. it harmonizing. Harmonizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So more Emmy stuff. We know now that Lisa's Wedding one was submitted and one this was not even submitted so yeah. they they clearly didn't have faith in this episode winning and they were right i mean we'll get into it later but i feel like the pathos they want to earn in this episode just feels flat and cheap and mm. it comes out of nowhere like they they don't really build to it it's never it's never really earned in my opinion i didn't feel it was earned either it felt kind of cheap and like a very special episode which i felt is beneath the simpsons honestly yeah. and like, i like lisa episodes this is just a not very good one mm-hmm. and i'd also say that i wonder if it was somewhat political because the per- the people I would assume the people who submit what episode you're going to do for the Emmys are would be David Merkin and the regular staff of six, not the pinch hitting staff of the critic. So why would they submit an episode they didn't write? They would go with one of theirs, and also they were just smarter to go with. Le- I would have submitted Lisa's substitute over Round Springfield. Lisa's it's wedding. Just, Lisa's wedding. Yeah. It's a better Either way. episode. They could yeah. resubmit yeah. Lisa's substitute. Win again. They could do that too. <laughs> yes, uh, but the first joke in this episode oh. feels more 2017 than 19. Hell yeah. Hey, kids, it's story time. (laughs) I'm going to tell you the story of Krusty's expensive new suit. His sexual harassment suit. (laughs) Anyway, as part of Krusty's plea bargain, he has a new court-ordered sidekick, Ms. No Means No. Whoa, you're hot. Let's get some dinner after the show. I have dinner with all my employees. Right, Sideshow Mel? We've never spoken outside of work. (laughs) I'm surprised he doesn't try to blame his problems on his Percodan addiction. (laughs) Wasn't my fault. It was a Percodan. If you ask me, that stuff rots your brain. And I'll wait for my new sponsor. Percodan! (laughs) Oh, crap! I don't know why Perkadan was sponsoring the Krusty the Clown show. I like to think that on his Perkadan bender, he signed up for uh, that. Uh, forgot about it. Yeah, and actually we saw a similar joke in The Critic uh, with the James Bond parody, uh, Mr. No Means No. That's true. It's the so, same joke yeah. from the same season. I, I just wanted to add an addendum here. As mm. I would say, the foremost recreational drug user, mm. Perkadan doesn't exist. Mm. Anymore, Percocet is what it was replaced with. After yeah. all the deaths. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Which is no, still, no, like, still re- it's still oxycodone and it's still re- right. responsible there's, for many deaths. There's tons of people addicted to it, though. Mm. I feel like the Percodan thing is specifically a reference to Jerry Lewis. Ah. He was addicted to Percodan and he actually came out later in that. So he injured his back terribly in 1965 like doing a just a pratfall. Or on a piano? He, yeah, he did a pratfall off a piano at a Vegas show, which he did a million times mm-hmm. but he said 
Somebody put a steel cable in the wrong spot, and he broke his back oh. on it. And so he was just on painkillers for a, uh, over a decade. He said in 1973 he was suicidal from mm-hmm. it, and he had like he's like I had the gun in my mouth, and then I heard my kids laughing, and I put it away, <laughs> and then he finally got off the Percodan. So I think many other people were on Percodan, like uh, Elvis was on Percodan as yeah. well. And but I think, I think um, it's Jerry Lewis. I think Jerry Lewis eventually had a thing installed in his body that would just pump painkillers into himself allegedly uh, yeah yeah he yeah. would no i watched a video of him like holding up his thing he's like i press this button and it gives me more good feelings well, he invented it for me yeah. i love his serious voice it's so good Invented it for me it is for yeah. me crusty got to keep his job after his sexual harassment suit which as we saw with matt lauer and charlie rose that you you get you get immediately fired that morning and, and then the women the who, yeah and then the women who work with you have to go on tv and like this was a surprise. Uh, that, by the way, folks, if you listened to an episode recently where we talked for five minutes about the Today Show mm-hmm. and didn't mention Matt Lauer, it's because we recorded it before that came out. And honestly, like, forgive, we're recording this a little earlier, too. So if more sexual harassment things came out oh, after, like, please. sorry. If you're a clown, just stay inside. Stay inside. <laughs> Maybe this is why Miss Pennycandy is no longer on the show. Mm, I, I yeah. thought the was, only female employee, except for Tina Ballerina. It was more like, for instance, Sam Kinison setting the. Uh, no, 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 not Sam Kinison. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait setting the Tonight Show on fire. Mm. That you would have to do an on air apology if you did something vaguely criminal at right. this point. Nobody lost their job, mm. uh, nobody went to court. They just did something like that. They did, did some, some kind of public service, service but public on service camera. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. camera. That happened a lot. Or you'd have to do one of those dr- anti-drunk driving commercials mm-hmm. after, like you're the actor who played AJ Soprano and got caught drunk driving. Yeah, <laughs> which I miss those days of just like, could you guys just do drugs? And that was and our not worst problem in the world. People. <laughs> uh, yes, and I also that's still what the cover is today. Of just like I ask all my employees out to dinner, yes. like which is a total lie. You're only doing it to the women. Uh, I invite all my employees to watch you masturbate, men totally. and women. They're all welcome. Uh, so geographically, it doesn't make much sense that they're watching TV in the kitchen, but you just have to do yeah. that for the joke. It's and, the one free TV they can move around. Yeah, and I also think, uh, by the way, if you don't know who George Washington Carver is, he's the peanut guy. <laughs> yes. That's Though he also was a bit of an environmentalist, which kind of gets overlooked among all the peanut stuff. It was Scientists. Most scientists are. Yeah. Specifically, what did he do with peanuts again? Well, he, his thing was that he saw that cotton destroy it sucked up the environment you Mm. needed to you needed better crops for it even though cotton made you the most money and so he's trying to teach farmers like no plant peanuts and sweet potatoes they're better for your land and here's all these things you can make with that food just do that instead of uh instead of your plant instead of cotton yeah i think in my extremely white school during black history month we spent about five minutes on this stuff so uh (laughs) he was a number one you'd hear about in black history month in the 90s uh, I thought that Jagged Middle Crustio is like a lame plot device. It, like it's, it's I don't know if the joke is that they're not trying or it's if I don't I don't really is know. Is it a prize in the box and then it comes out of its plastic or uh, like It was a joke I really loved at the time but it doesn't I don't know. It doesn't hold yeah, up the same the same as other jokes in the, se- the season. Watching yeah. it again I'm like I'm Bart is so lucky he didn't chew his cereal because mm-hmm. oh, oh my god. Yes, yeah. Well, and I'd also say 
he should just have internal bleeding and be immediately coughing up blood. Yes. It should not give him appendicitis. In There's fact, no uh, reason it should go to his appendix. They consulted Mike Reese's father, a doctor, and he said, no, that cannot happen. But they went and did it anyways. And but, I bet um, he got paid anyway. anyway. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. That's so, right. He gave his dad, he probably gave his dad a fat consultancy. I want to think this is partially based on a real food poisoning scare from a few years ago in real mm. history. The 1993 Jack in the Box E. coli scare, oh. which is actually the most infamous food poison outbreak in contemporary history yeah and it's, it's um, when i came into california i was shocked like this company still exists it's when hard i hear to... the name this is all i think of is that it killed people yeah i mean another chain uh that was in my area chi chi's the mexican restaurant mm-hmm. their salsa gave people e coli they're gone they're gone forever yeah. it's amazing jack in the box bounce back. yes uh, i remember their first ads on like cable like in the late 90s of guys we're back look we're getting better. It's okay. Like it's it's in the, they want to pretend it was all in the past. Yeah, and I, I lived in Ohio, and Jack in the Box was just the punchline to me until yeah. I moved yeah, out yeah, here yeah, and yeah. saw them. <laughs> but yeah, seven hundred thirty-two people were infected from beef Seven-o- patties. Wow. wow! Four children died, and one hundred seventy-eight people were left with permanent injuries. And the most Lord. hilarious thing about this. All of these infections came from the Monster Burger. Oh, God. And, and the tagline was, so good, it's scary. Oh, so God. it really, the Monster Burger killed oh, people. No. That's unbelievable it could survive. Like I feel yes. like you Four killed... children died. What? Little if, babies. If one child died from any food here, you feel like that'd be the end of that yeah, I remember They yeah. were in our town and they disappeared. I remember mm-hmm. them disappearing when this happened. They never came back. And I think ultimately it was found to be the fault of Jack in the Box. They tried to blame their distributor, mm-hmm. but ultimately they did not cook the burgers hot enough. Mm-hmm. There was Ugh. such a demand for these burgers, they wanted to get them out as soon as possible oh to the customers. God. So they learned a valuable <laughs> lesson. Cook your meat, goddammit. Yes, yeah. Uh, so Bart also is learning a valuable lesson from Homer when he's trying to get people to believe him that he's sick. I hate this joke. Bart, you said you were going to study. Oh, my st- Stomach. You just don't want to take that test. Oh, I mean it. It really hurts. Mom, I think he's serious. <laughs> Kids are so naive. Lisa, when you get to be our age, you'll learn a few things. Like when a sign says, do not feed the bears, man, you'd better not feed the bears. Now get to school, boy. I don't like that do not feed the bears joke. I like how badly the bear is drawn. It, it <laughs> looks like a toy, and I think the one thing that's missing is the bear should be growling or making a noise. It just mm-hmm. is like so weird it was more of the magic reality of the critic as well of just like in the critic a giant blue whale can drop on uh, a jay and nobody thinks about it but in and the simpsons at this point homer just lifting his arm up in a non-halloween episode to be like oh a bear's been on my arm this entire time it has been for days and it's it's not drawn well i feel like they should have retaken that scene or something i'd also say for redundancy's sake that they they have two jokes about Homer's left arm having something he doesn't recognize. Like, <laughs> That's right. It also has a tattoo on it. They so they do a Homer's weird left arm joke twice. Like, uh, I also don't love the joke of like the charter says that Bart can die, which yes. is like, shouldn't that be in like the teachers union rules or something why the, i think it was updated uh, over time yeah I, I and and then also just the snake ate millhouse i do like the return of the snake joke but just like <laughs> the a snake ate millhouse the joke we do see uh lunch lady doris in the nurse's office again because of budget cuts but in the episode whacking day we find out she gets two paychecks that way so she's yes. played nurse before yeah and then we also get a very important line that uh that would only be wow. a big deal until in 2004 yes lunch lady doris why why are you here? Budget cuts. They've even got groundskeeper Willie teaching French. Bonjour! You cheese-eating surrender monkeys! 
Look, my stomach really hurts. All I can give you are these chewable Prozac for kids. Your choice. Manic depressive mouse or the bluebird of unhappiness. Ugh. Superintendent Chalmers, I'd like you to meet our new school nurse, Lunch Lady Doris. Yeah, nice to see you. Seymour, why is that student lying unconscious on the floor? Well, in many cases, the floor is the best. <clears throat> oh, look, here comes Lumpy, the school snake. nice to see Chalmers briefly at least but this is, this is one of the few terms on the Simpsons that has its own wiki yeah it's it's a it cheese eating surrender monkeys I, yeah I've never seen a joke because it's it should be totally funny and fine but I've never seen a joke mm. more stolen with that without yeah. attribution than this joke yeah, it was it, co-opted in a bad way. yeah co-opted with nefarious uh, purposes behind it you're not supposed to agree with Willie like yes yeah. Willie is the correct character who I agree with mm-hmm. the joke is that Willie is being an obnoxious Scotsman who yeah. hates the French which is a thing for members of the United Kingdom that they hate the French that's the joke yeah you're not supposed to agree with Willie but wasn't that like a New York Post uh, cover or something they used cheese eating yeah. surrender He's in like a major headline in, in, somewhere. In newspapers, it's attributed to cantankerous TV show hosts like Jeremy Clarkson and mm. uh, what's his name, Anthony Bourdain, uh, have all used it with like no attribution whatsoever. That we're all just saying a Simpsons quote. Yeah. Well, and they mentioned on the commentary that they're like Janine Garofalo is complaining about the use of that term because it seemed too insult. It was too insulting, it, and it all was because. The French dared to not help us invade a sovereign nation for under illegal <laughs> means. How dare those assholes not want to ki- uh, help kill well, people in Iraq? Well, the good thing is, in the end, we were right. So. Exactly. We were proven right. Those WMDs showed up. All those... All, there was no proof that it was all just lies. Nope, nope. Ugh. Look, I'm not saying France does everything <laughs> Look, right, but every, they were right not to go. Every cheese poli- is delicious. If you actually have a political argument with someone leaning right... They would appreciate if you forgot about all that. Yes, mm-hmm. you're supposed to pretend that Please, didn't happen. Just forget it. Just forget it happened. It was just spreading democracy, <laughs> and let's stop thinking about it. Yeah, it's but, that easy. You just sow the seeds and walk away. Yeah, we sowed the seeds of democracy. It certainly didn't cause the rise of ISIS or anything <laughs> like that. But anyway, yeah, I remember you kids. If you're younger than us, maybe don't remember what it was like in the mid 2000s. Like fuck France was how so everybody stupid. felt. Like I, I remember freedom fries and what the yes. Congress. Cafeteria that really the happened. Cafeteria called him Freedom Fries. Oh. Mm-hmm. I also remember I worked at a Blockbuster Video and in Florida with uh, some conservative people, but I tried to never talk politics with them. I'm like <laughs> now, which I would have been complaining all the time. But anyway, there was a guy there who like, oh, we both love Star Wars. That's cool. And then I mentioned like. The new, the first Pirates movie was out, which is before we knew who Johnny Depp was. So I was just excited for it. And I said, let's see the new Pirates. Have you guys seen the new Pirates movie? And then he said, no, I'm not seeing that because Johnny Depp's a France lover. Mm, I was like, that's, so well, that's why you're not seeing this fucking movie. Is that because movie. he lived in France or something? Yeah, he had lived in How France. How dare he? I did not see it to that degree. Also, that Prozac for kids gag, like, it's cute and all, but it makes no sense. Like, it's just, they just had a funny name for Prozac for yeah, kids. Yeah, it also feels like a very critic joke. Uh, yes, again. And also what felt like a very critic joke was hearing the ER theme when we see Hibbert. Yes, like, and, that's and, the joke. And they just it's kinda, the hospital. <laughs> yeah. And they just throw in Dr. Nick there for a gag, even though he should not be working with Hibbert. I feel like a lot of this is Al Jean and Mike Reese sort of revisiting their greatest hits of the seasons they worked on. Like, that's why mm-hmm. Chalmers is there, Lunch it Lady Doris, uh, Riviera, Hibbert. Like, a lot of the that's beats true. we've seen them right before, they're sort of returning mm. to. And that's distracting from the main story, I yeah, think. Yeah, but they're easy softballs they can count on. 
Man, these are primo seats. I could really go for a hot dog. Homer, this is an operation. Hot dogs, get your hot dogs here. Woohoo! Okay, Bart, I will count to three and you will be sound asleep. One, two, three. Out like a light. Scalper. Ah! Oopsie, huh? Maybe if I fiddle with these knobs. Hey, I smell gas. Pleasant gas. Oh, night, night, guys. Uh, Dr. Nick is like a surgeon for hire. I don't know what he's doing yeah. working with Dr. With Hibbert. Hibbert. Yeah. And also, though, that, that gas being loose should have knocked out Hibbert, too. That it only affects Nick is just like, it makes a joke even cheaper, I think. He doesn't breathe out of the mask? I forgot. I don't know. It's okay. just that he's fiddling with the knobs, and so it's just loose at the top. There'd be a lot of gas in that room, then. Uh, it doesn't... It, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, though it is a real nightmare scenario for me thinking of like waking up during a surgery and seeing them cutting into you like oh it's terrifying to me then i i swear this scene of bart showing off his scar and his appendicitis is straight from the chill the french Absolutely. children books madeline yeah if really you've seen the animated adaptation she sings a song about it my about scar, her, my, my scar. I'm so glad someone yes, else remembers yeah. it I'm getting goosebumps. I, it's so vague i'm not the madeline super fan you guys are it apparently. was like straight to hbo and i remember bringing the tape home to try and convince mm. my parents to subscribe to hbo because the book i loved my sister and I loved was now animated and we watched it over and over again a friend's tape of Madeline they had to oh. add a ton of songs because it's just it's a, <laughs> it's a 20 page children's yeah, book so there's like, a whimsical song about a scar yeah, yeah. Okay. Taken out. So, interesting yes interesting. it's a it's a French child who lives in a convent and uh, or well a nun takes care of them in an orphanage and she gets appendicitis one day and then she to show how brave she is she's like showing off her scar just as, as Bart scar. does she's Madeline wicked I got this cool scar and I get to miss a week of school. Yeah. Dr. Hibbert, can I have my appendix out? Why not? Follow me, kids. <laughs> Nurse, prep these children. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're okay, Bart. Mwah. <gasps> Bleeding gums, Murphy. Little Lisa. It's good to see you again. It's been a long time. And then we get an actual flashback yeah. in the show. In Man, the show, is that jarring. Season one. In season six, <laughs> even, seeing season one animation. It's, like, woo, boy. I, I do want to step back a tiny bit to a joke that just really fell flat for me. And when it ended, I'm like, where, where was the joke? Where... Uh, Bart comes to after his surgery, and mm. um, he blames Homer for the uh, for the accident. And uh, Homer begins strangling him, and then Hibbert comes in and says, "Now he just had surgery to stop strangling him." And Homer does, and it's over. It's over. The yeah. scene just ends. I'm like, that could have been a joke. Like, I guess the joke is he shouldn't be strangling someone who just had surgery. But there was it, it just was so flat to me, like yeah. flat, and, flat and awkward. Yeah, though I really love the delivery of nurse prep these children. <laughs> <laughs> they must all be insured. That they just all are immediately removing it, and so yeah, that's the entrance of Bleeding Gums Murphy. And again, he's it's it's what makes this episode really weak to me. Is like. He can't leave the room. The show <laughs> Simpsons, especially in season six, undercuts so many sitcom cliches. But this is the exact sitcom cliche of like, oh, you're a character I haven't seen in a while. You're in a hospital bed the whole time. You'll even have a telltale cough. Like, 
it's just so maudlin and treacly. Yeah. I just don't like it. Like, and the closest they get to jokes with, well, first you get a joke that <laughs> apparently Bleeding Gums' brother is Hibbert, which... So, yeah, Hibbert has two long-lost brothers in this show. The mm. other one was the doctor in Shelbyville mm-hmm. when Homer is looking for her Powell. I just right at that moment I'm like that's the kind of joke someone writes when they know they're not coming back tomorrow yes you yes. just, yeah. just left this open thread forever I, I did like Bart's Dr. Cheeks joke just that they fit in as many th- ways to talk about his butt as possible yeah. doing the rounds and I'm a little behind he bounced back uh, also in case you don't know Ron Taylor uh, what became famous on Broadway for originating the role of Audrey 2 in the 1981 yeah, Little Shop of Mars. Really? Yeah. He obviously was recast in the film. He's got an awesome voice. Yeah, yeah, for real. He's great. And then we get the history of Bleeding Gums, which again, if you need a more, as a viewer of the fir- for the first time, if you need a more uh, indication that he is dying, it's him telling his life story. It's like, oh, here's my life story. I'll be dead soon. Like, that's exactly, they did that exact fucking thing on the Netflix Luke Cage show mm-hmm. when he yeah. His barbershop dad figures like, now it's time to tell you my life story. I was a drug dealer and knew this guy. All these kids got guns, but they ain't got fathers. That's like yeah. almost a verbatim line from yep. that awful scene. And there, then he's dead in 10 minutes later. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of great jokes in Bleeding Gums' backstory, but ultimately yeah. every part of his life is too ridiculous to get you invested in him as a real person who will die yes. and then care about yeah. his death. It's just too silly, I think. Yeah. So here's part one of his history. I learned at the feet of blind Willie Witherspoon. I've been playing jazz for 30 years, and I just can't make a go of it. I want you to have my saxophone. This isn't a saxophone. It's an umbrella. So I've been playing an umbrella for 30 years? Why didn't anybody tell me? (laughs) We all thought it was funny. (laughs) That's not funny. (laughs) Then I got my big break. I was on Steve Allen's Tonight Show. (laughs) Now, a brilliant jazz musician who's inspired me to do some improv poetry. (laughs) Twinkle, twinkle, groovy cat. How I wonder where you at. I really love the way you cook. Just like me when I wrote this book, How to Make Love to Steve Allen. From the author of Happiness is a Naked Steve Allen, Journey to the Center of Steve Allen, and The Joy of Cooking Steve Allen. <laughs> that should be in black and white, though, if it's from the it really Steve should. Allen Tonight Show. That's... But that, that is Steve Allen, and he yep. was on the show previously voicing the altered voice of Bart Simpson. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, the blue dot. Yes, separate vocations. Yeah, though, and he had... Did anybody they, else go down the Steve Allen rabbit hole again? Well, I, I already a did bit, this yeah. on The Critic, though, because they did this exact same joke in Critic Season 1 about him saying he wrote a book while writing a song. It's like, while writing the song for you, Marty, I wrote this book. About, uh, Steve Allen's advice to Marty. There He's, were a ton of Steve Allen has done everything jokes, and there's a sketch on MST3K mm-hmm. where they invent the steve meter that will tell you if Steve Allen has already <laughs> invented something that you have. And Steve Allen did invent the Stevometer, so you can't even invent that. <laughs> it, it, it just—it was one of those things I just went down this rabbit hole of because I think it was was that because Steve Allen had laid claim he personally claimed he invented all this stuff, but I think it's he was just so prolific. He, I think he has technically touched all like so many genres in every medium. And he's written a billion books on all of it. I even disappeared into like it's Steve Allen teaching you how to use computers. <laughs> he was wow. he was on the forefront of that. I did, he's the first host of the Tonight Show. There's someone yeah. else credit with creating the Tonight Show. He's like, you see that other show he created? Like, mm. this is Steve Allen's show, and he did the Man on the Street bits first. He created like, that. Yeah. Yeah. It was originally called the Knickerbocker Hour or something. Oh. The Knickerbocker Beer. I'm, I'm glad they changed that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, this uh, is between 1954 and 1957. This appearance, and he only got busted out of the show because like 
You're doing a great job. We want you to do. He went to do the same job on another show. So they moved him to another program uh, in, in hopes to elevate it. He wasn't. He didn't quit. Oh wow! And he wasn't fired. And then Jack Parr was next, right? Jack Parr was and brought then in. Johnny Carson. And for thirty, everyone did three to four years until Johnny Carson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Steve Allen knocked her up, but Johnny Carson married her. <laughs> uh, and I just just because I watched John Mulaney uh, and his salute to David Letterman, mm. I have a dumb bit from a stand up about Steve Allen that made me laugh, and I couldn't help but think of. Oh, let's hear it. The Tonight Show with John. Carson, I think it said to people, hey, take a break from your weird life and watch these fancy people make show business. But David Letterman's shows said to people, your weird life is just as funny as show business. And he showcased weirdos and he showcased outsiders that nobody on TV ever had before. Yeah, yeah, Steve Allen did some of that stuff. But if Steve Allen is so great, how come he's dead? (laughs) (laughs) He has a point. It's the best joke at Steve Allen's expense I've heard in at least 20 years. (laughs) He's been dead since 2000. That's so great. Yeah, yeah, Steve Allen did some of that stuff. (laughs) Fuck, that was so funny. I, I, I love that John Lenny cares that much about old-timey entertainment because steve allen is and thanks to the simpsons will forever remain a part of that for (laughs) people give a shit uh we also find out about his faberge egg habit which the in actuality like it's not tens of thousands of dollars for original faberge eggs it's tens of millions of dollars they're they're kind of priceless i did the uh research on this they're believed to have been 69 created nice dude uh 50 are on record and we currently know where 43 of them are and the wiki page has where all of them are located wow yes they're that precious and rare mark them on a map uh and then we get a very not uh aged well scene i cut my first and only album on the beach but then i spent all my money on my fifteen hundred dollar a day habit i'd like another faberge egg please sir don't you think you've had enough i tell you when i've had enough when was the last time you worked in 86 when i did a guest shot on the cosby show Hey, kids, meet Grandpa Murphy. We have three grandpas already. This one's a great jazz musician. Oh, they all are. <laughs> you see, the kids, they listen to the rap music, which gives them the brain damage. With their hipping and the hopping and the bipping and the bopping, so they don't know what the jazz <laughs> is all about. You see, jazz is like jello pudding pop. No, actually, it's more like Kodak film. No, actually, jazz is like the new Coke. It'll be around forever. <laughs> wow. Now, the Cosby show, uh, the Cosby show's been right, rightfully taken off the air for years now, but if you've watched a ton of it like me, mm-hmm. I've probably seen it all front to back like three or four times. They're just mm-hmm. always in reruns. You would know that... This happened on the show. Mm-hmm. Cosby would often go into these like improv sessions just all- by himself, and everyone just had to sit there in the background <laughs> yeah. until he was done. It's great animation on everybody awkwardly, just like uh, do we do we say anything? Yeah, we just silent and, and until great, it stops. It's a great joke about the parade of yes, poorly yes. reasoned guest stars on the Cosby Show. Yeah, I mean, it was-, it was very indulgent in a good way that he gave these like it was him exposing black culture to yeah, America yeah. that didn't really get to be on TV. But they always had to bring them in the house instead of bringing the kids to wherever that person was so they were usually sometimes a family member and it's also Mm. the simpsons still has a i guess a playful but not spiteful rivalry with the cosby Mm -hmm. show at this point well it's been dead for 
three years now at this point. Oh, the show's over. Yeah, That's 92 right, yeah. it ended. But yeah, I have clips of Cosby's time as a genial <laughs> pitch man. Now he's known as a serial rapist, but in yep. the past, he sold many a product. And so here are all of them. Here's Jello Pudding. You ask kids why their beds aren't made, and they say, I forgot. You ask them why they're walking with muddy sneakers through the living room, and they say, oh, I forgot. But these same kids will ask you, Dad, how come you didn't fix any Jell-O pudding tonight? You said you would two years ago, August 12th, at 7.31 p.m. You had red sweater on and some loafers brown. And you say, I forgot. And they say, Dad, you're grounded. Jello pudding. What? I can't be a kid without it. Just, just let Bill Cosby go. Man, yeah. why don't I just? I could just take that commercial and put any product I want at the end of it. So uh. I think he represented all of these products for like a decade at oh, least. Yeah. So here he is talking about Kodak's color watch system with his dog. Bill Cosby on great film developing. This is my dog. We lost best of show at a big dog show. That was a sad night. He was very upset. I took some pictures. Remember? Huh? Well, now you don't think I'd take them just anywhere to be developed? Here, come on, look at him. Ask for the Kodak Color Watch system. This Color Watch seal says only Kodak products are used for great developing. Mm -hmm. He's still upset. I show him the pictures. He says, Arf, Color Watch, you're going to thank me for it. Yeah, Cosby, I bet you've taken some pictures. Yeah. I just, the more the total recall on that seal, like when you had your pictures developed, that's... The seal that the was Kodak on. Seal Whoa! Totally. When those envelopes came back from the vacation you took two months ago, when you can finally afford to, your parents can afford to develop the. <laughs> finally, see those photographs. Oh, the, the best one is New Coke, which, according to the novel Gump and Company, was invented by Forrest Gump. Wow! <laughs> I was wondering where that was going. Introducing the great new taste of Coca-Cola, the best tasting Coke in the history of ever. It's a hit. It's a hit. Coke is hit. It's Coca-Cola with a new taste, a new sensation, a new explosion of wonderfulness in your mouth. Go ahead, try it. It's just how you feel. Well, these words, yeah, yeah. Some unfun- yeah. unfortunate improv. It's a kick. It's a hit. It's a coke. Well, I mean, Cosby selling you a drink also kind of unfortunate <sighs> in 2017. Yeah, so. yeah, we found it with a high C promoter. Right. Yeah. Drink, come so, on. So uh, New Coke uh, basically was well, Coke was trying to compete with Pepsi, right? Trying to be innovative or trying they to have be hip. Yeah. I, I don't know this off the top of my head. It's in a bunch of your marketing books. Of there's a term for it when they're trying to replace something when no one's asking for that product to be replaced. Yeah. And in my, from what I understood, I think they found a way to make Coke and save money. Interesting. So they wanted to. We, it's a new Coke. It's just as good. Pepsi was a little sweeter. Yeah, it was. Um, I, that's why I don't like it. Uh, it's disgusting. I'm a Coke I can't, man. I, I, I will swat a Pepsi to the ground at this point. <laughs> Is Pepsi okay? <laughs> no. no. But they replaced it. The, the The public went crazy for some reason. And for mm-hmm. a long time, I, I don't remember this. I don't remember what it tastes like. But I, I remember know, Coke is yeah. it. In like every skating rink and coming out of my TV, that's the slogan for the new Coke. Yeah, uh, it, but Coca Cola Classic, they didn't put Coke on a, another bottle for another thirty years. Just, it just was C O K E. It was yeah. always Coca Cola Classic. Coca Cola yeah. Classic, yeah. letting you know this is the old version, the one you liked, not mm. the one Bill Cosby Good. says. Well, blow mm. in your mouth if you like the taste, whether mm. you're alive. Or yeah, I know I've had new Coke at some point, and just like Crystal Pepsi, mm. I wish they'd re-release it just so we know mm. uh, what disappointment tastes like. I wonder if at the Coke Museum you can get new Coke. Huh. They have every other. I, wouldn't be, I would not be surprised if they slid it into regular Coke and nobody mm. noticed <laughs> at all. Uh, by the I, way, I just I looked over. I thought Steve Allen did video game commercials. I know mm. I had saw one. I didn't see it, and I'm just telling you now because I think you'll like it. I did find an Atari Don Knotts commercial <laughs> where he escapes prison with the help of the game Breakout. Wow. wow! I recommend uh, in television with uh, George Plimpton. 
Oh, that, that's yes. a smart one. Um, but, television. By the way, some of the real jazz musicians who were on the Cosby Show included Dizzy Gillespie, Wow, really? B.B. King, and Lena Horne. Dizzy Gillespie was—he played the uh, music teacher for the then youngest one, Rudy. For Rudy, and B.B. puffed King, his cheeks out a lot. I recall. And B.B. Mm. King played a character who wasn't B.B. King, but looked exactly like him and used the same <laughs> instrument. But he's like, "No, it's your uncle. Uh, this I'm guy, C.C. Prince." <laughs> the guitar <laughs> and stevie wonder as well is on it too yeah this it's every bill cosby joke is weird now but gina reese loved making fun of bill yeah. cosby loved that, it. Used that to be rivals by for one character to, i think that's the longest one character has talked on the simpsons yeah. in a long time yeah for sure they just let dan castle in a go which again feels like they would never have a direct parody of a person that long on on, on a non Gene and Reese one. And I will say Dan's Cosby is not the best Cosby I've heard, but it's still it's funny. It's still wonderful. very funny. He improvises it's, very yeah. well in the voice. It's, even it's, it's the one I stole because it's yes. the most fun to do. And I do love the animation of him doing like kind of Egyptian <laughs> arms during yeah. the, Pippin and the Hoppin. It's hard to make him mug as much in his Simpsonized form. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and another thing Gene and Reese love is recycled animation. So they pulled out Kent Brockman. <laughs> That's right. From Bart's comment when he's about to read off the following people are gay, just to sub in 20 more seconds of him introducing the crusty clip, which I do like the crusty clip of him defending his cereal. Well, I, I half like it. I like it. And I contend that those tourists were decapitated before <laughs> they entered the crusty land house of knives. Next question. What about that little boy who got appendicitis from eating your cereal? To prove that this metal O is harmless, I will personally eat one. See, there's nothing. God, go! Ah, yeah! Ah, boy! That thing is shredding my insides! A uh, crusty. That wasn't the metal one. That was a regular crusty O. It's poison. <laughs> so the critic writers did not do their research. Itchy and Scratchy Land exists, but yeah. Crusty Land is only in the Simpsons arcade game. Yeah. You're all fired. And, and Universal Studios. Oh, that's yeah. it. Well, now it's real. I wish they'd have gotten faster to the real. Like, that was yep. just the regular O, but it's like, speed it up. There's something clumsy and not funny about it, and it... It's saved the, by the loving animation given to Krusty. Not great. as elaborate yeah. as we've seen before. But. I do like the tag. It's poison. it's poison. It's poison. Yeah. Also that he's selling Tanya Harding's wedding night video, which is a real uh, real life sex tape you could buy if you wanted to be yeah. horrible. And but, now there's uh, a Tanya Harding it, Nancy Kerrigan movie. Yeah. It, it, there is, as, as we speak. Uh, I, I, Tanya, which I feel like I'll probably like. I love Margot Robbie. But I, I love Margot Robbie. Yeah. Tanya Harding is the unsung celebrity sex tape that no one talks about. Mm-hmm. Because too vile is it with jeff galuli well, i wouldn't want to Having see jeff seen it, ever uh yeah there's it's not you can't jerk to it is that was i being indelicate <laughs> it's like it's they're not that type of people i need to know about the cinematography chris well, not i'm not lowbrow well, i mean it's like a late 80s like i've i've seen like one second of it they mm-hmm. show on the news and it's like boy this is cheap and it's not it's awful yeah. they're both not porn types I mean, yeah. body wise. Yeah, no, there are people you don't want to see have sex. So no one bought it, but uh, I don't know. Like, it's one of the first celebrity sex tapes I can think of. Mm. Let me know. Maybe Little Richard has one out there. <laughs> uh, then we Rob get little, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. then, then we get uh, the first of oh. two takes of Jazz Band, which uh, this will take us into break, actually. Let's give a listen. Lift me, won't you lift me above the old routine. Make it nice, play it clean, jazz man. 
Simpsons. We'll be right back. I may not be the jazz man, but I am testifying that you should sign up for patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Yes, everybody, I am here again to tell you about the awesome Patreon podcast stuff you are missing out on if you did not sign up for this. Not only do you get every episode a week early and ad free, but you get tons of cool exclusives, including, if you listened at the beginning of this episode, two of our most recent interviews. One where we talked to Mike Scully for a whole hour, and he is was a writer on The Simpsons from season five through eight. Eight, and then the show references is nine through twelve, and he has an amazing career that we only scratch the surface of, but it's tons of fun. Also, we have an interview with Mimi Pond. Twenty-eight years ago, the first ever episode of The Simpsons aired, and she wrote it. But you don't hear a lot about her side of things, and as the interview reveals, well, there's a reason for that. And she is really explains things. That I think both are must-listen interviews for fans of The Simpsons and this podcast. So you should sign up at Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to check them out. The holidays are still going strong, and if you want a cool gift for yourself, you should get a Talking Simpsons t-shirt. If you just go to shirtsickle.com, that's like popsicle but with shirt, or tiny.cc slash talking shirt you can get your own talking simpsons t-shirt that's a beautiful sky blue with a logo that is in the style of ion springfield a song that's very important to us and designed by the wonderful nina matsumoto it's a great thing to wear while listening to us talk about say talking critic on the patreon which just wrapped up or our exclusive holiday special where we talk about futurama yes we actually do a podcast about Futurama in the style of Talking Simpsons, the thing you've always wanted. You can listen to it now at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons while wearing your Shirtsicle t-shirt. Hey, this is Hank Azaria. You're listening to Talking Simpsons on Laser Time. I didn't know that was a thing. Do you like shows like Laser Time, Vigigame Apocalypse, and 302010? Then you should know these shows are almost entirely listener-supported through patreon.com slash lasertime. For as little as five bucks a month, you can make sure all Laser Time shows keep going and get weekly, exclusive, uncensored, and commercial-free bonus show, Bonus Time, in return. Here's a taste. Fox oh. owns A New Hope in perpetuity. And now Disney now does. Disney. And, uh, and I said to, some, to someone, like, do you remember they traded a real sportscaster for Oswald for the Rabbit Oswald, yeah. to do... Nothing with him. It just they but to have he's got a store. So when someone brought, brought the Fox deal, I'm like, they want that movie, and they're gonna they are gonna buy this company. Disney owns the Simpsons and everything like the Simpsons. Fox Family has made. Guy, uh, Family Guy, American Dad, Married with Children, King of the Hill. They own it all. It's impossible. And like in the, the example I was talking with, with my girlfriend, or maybe I was writing about it online. You, there's no company that can realistically manage that much shit. Let's look at it. Look at it like this: Disney owns Fox. the the series The movie series Ice Age. <laughs> oh for, yeah. For the movie series Ice Age is a huge, a big fish in a small pond for Fox and, and Blue yeah. Sky Studio. You go to like Sea Worlds, and they have Ice Age forty movies, and they're they're all over the place. <laughs> uh, why the fuck would I, as a Disney employee, put any priority over that with Frozen? Why would yeah. Bob Anything Iger I- ever make an Ice Age anything? <laughs> 
Get your weekly bonus podcast, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive videos, gameplay days, and more by supporting LazerTime at patreon.com slash LazerTime. It's the original Carol King. Very appropriate for Lisa to love white jazz. jazz. We just, yes. my girlfriend and I, for some reason, just caught a PBS documentary on Carol King. Huh. Mm-hmm. Wrote over like a hundred songs for other people, That's for true. the monkeys, mm-hmm. for uh, down on the board, like up on the rooftop. It's crazy. In, in the documentary She's a shows, national are like, treasure. Did I you, love her. Did you write this? I'm like, oh yeah, here, let me do it for you. I'm like, I'd never heard her perform this song. Didn't know she wrote. What James Taylor song? Uh, you got a friend? Yeah, yeah. Mm. She wrote all of that shit. Uh, she's probably one of the most prolific songwriters the '60s and '70s had. And I hate her version of her own song. I, don't I like, like Lisa's jazz man. better. Yeah. <laughs> no, Yardley Smith does a great job with jazz yeah. man. She's I really couldn't good. believe it. I, 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 I know I've heard it before, but I just compared them. Mm-hmm. Like, nah, I, I prefer Lisa's version. I never heard it on the. I listen to oldie stations all the time, but the as a my kid, mom was a big fan. Well, but the oldie stations I listen to, I realize now went from like fifty two to sixty nine. They never did seventy stuff because in the nineties they're like the seventies is too recent. That's not mm-hmm. oldies. But uh, yeah, it's it's a song of a white lady appreciating jazz and mm-hmm. just singing about the jazz man. Like Lisa, who's so great, just like Lisa. Yes, and in yeah. this scene, Bleeding Gums Murphy gives Lisa his sax, which feels like it should be more meaningful. And I feel yeah. like the, the episode Lisa's sax uh, a few years later would mm-hmm. kind of make this not yeah. seem as important. Well, she never uses the sax again outside this episode. She uses the sax she got from her father or the replacement he got again. No, it's yeah. established. That's the the saxophone Homer bought, not yeah. Bleeding Gums Murphy's. Yeah, but so, uh, yes, here is the final line by Bleeding Gums Murphy, well, before he dies. Baby, you are going to knock him dead. <coughs> uh. Here, take this for luck. <gasps> Your sax! Thank you so much! Oh, dear, I had it in my notes. It's the second song sung by a Simpsons uh, cast member by Carol King. Oh. After You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. Oh, okay. Sung to Jub Jub. Uh, but, man, that cough. I hate that cough yeah. so much. The Simpsons, they, yeah. five, five to ten episodes ago in Maggie Makes Three, mm-hmm. they make fun of the theatrical cough that <laughs> foreshadows the death. Sure we will, Mr. Homer. <laughs> sure we will. But then they do it just for real sincerely. there. They just do it sincerely. And yeah. I, I'm like, Simpsons should be better than that. They like, they could be. even kill off bleeding gums and... But not and, have to telegraph it so heavily. I mean, it's not that important, but we don't really even know why he's there. Right? <laughs> no, no explanation. If he has diseaseitis or something, I don't know. Yeah, it's he's 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 out of time. He's a fifty-year-old he black man in the nineties. He's not long for this world. <laughs> well, he didn't take care of himself, as we know. He didn't brush his teeth. There's That's probably true. lots of ways he didn't. Take and care teeth of are close to your brain, so take yeah. care of those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're fine. Something almost felt like a Futurama joke in there, though. The detox center to retox center. Mm-hmm. I feel like you'd see that exact sign gag in a Futurama. We get a brief preview of Sober Barney, which will become a character <laughs> yes, in a few yeah. years. Once Dan Kessel on Nene has his way. Mm. But, uh, then we get the, another, like you said, the greatest hits of Gene and Reese, a recital at school. Right. They did so many music recitals. It's like is, Lisa's Pony. This is like classic Skinner introducing uh, a thing on a stage. 
Now, I have learned that most of the orchestra is having their appendixes removed. So, without further ado, I give you the remnants of the Springfield Elementary School Orchestra. On saxophone, Lisa Simpson. On triangle, Martin Prince. And with a flute up his nose, Ralph Wiggum. That's some nice floating, boy. <laughs> they will be playing Stars and Stripes forever. Hopefully not forever. I, I didn't... I That's one of the quotes I use all the time. That's some nice... That's, that's a nice, nice variable, boy. Yeah. Do it all the time. Didn't you from this episode? I like so when Wiggum is supportive. Yeah. <laughs> get off the stage, Ralphie Denny. Yeah, get off the stage, sweetie. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's cute that... Yeah, I... If Wiggum was a mean dad to Ralph, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be as funny. So instead that he's constantly being nice to him, even in even in the classic like Ralph super episode of like, yeah. why are you so interested in my in my closet of mystery? <laughs> but he's super friendly to him the entire time. All the special schools want Ralph. <laughs> uh, so then Lisa like has a huge jazz riff, which I think is to, supposed to be seen as the moment that... Murphy dies and possesses her and gives her. Oh, really? Like, I, think I never saw it that I way. It but it's, like, I, could, I could read it that way. That's her cool. burst of inspiration. He then she comes home, uh, back to see he's dead. I think that's when he dies and mm. gives his power to her. That's that's how I always read it as. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so then he we come back to the very obvious reveal that Murphy is dead and. And it's just I also did, played too straight. It I, I, I did it. expect it. Yeah. I, I expected to. I'd seen too many very I special was episodes because it's it's sort of the only real death in The Simpsons at it this point. It is the first. I mean, they introduced the character B and mm-hmm. for like ten yes. minutes, and then she dies. But yeah. it's not the same. This is a character you, with. But just, you have to see and feel it through Lisa. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's. A, I don't know when you experience the first death of someone you knew but it definitely wasn't when i was eight no yeah it should be noted that mike reese really wanted to kill homer's mom in this episode and not bleeding him as murphy but or marge's mom marge's mom yeah marge's mom Mm -hmm. which they probably fine (laughs) yeah she has been used so sparingly that you wouldn't miss her like uh but yeah then we get everybody trying to comfort her i do like how bad homer is at comforting her Lisa, honey, are you going to be okay? Reading Gums was my hero, and I never got to tell him how I felt. Oh, I'm sure he knew, and I'm sure that wherever he is now, he's happy. But he was the only person who had the same love for music that I do. (gasps) Thank you. (laughs) Oh, Dad, why did he have to die? Well, it's like the time that your cat Snowball got run over. Uh Remember, honey? (laughs) Yeah. What I'm saying is, all we have to do is go down to the pound and get a new jazz man. Oh, Dad! <laughs> oh, I blew it again. What? That That's some great acting by Yardley, even if the story doesn't make me buy into the emotion. She does a great job. And Homer, too. I like when he's trying to be sweetly reassuring, but also very yeah, stupid. I thought that was too stupid for Homer. Too stupid? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I love that he's like, remember that other time you were very sad Yeah, that's a your bad, cat died? That's, a bad that's, that's like something Bart would say to Lisa and not Homer. He's mm. not that dumb. <laughs> well, him sucking on the pacifier, that felt Redeemed like a very, everything. Well, that felt like a very <laughs> Simpsons shorts <laughs> Uh, joke to me so many of the shorts ended with somebody else sucking the pacifier that's true gross (laughs) (laughs) baby's mouths are so clean and uh, yeah then Bart tells it also felt like a little bit of time killing to be like well what does Bart think of the afterlife is like eh 
whatever but him saying nobody ever suspects the butterfly is cute and all but oh. i love the butterfly holding up aloft the giant gas can that's funny yeah uh, man this is a weird personal story sure uh, you burned down a school chris no what's the statute of limitations <laughs> on this i met a girl and slept with her very fast and i had told her i'm a simpsons fan and she says oh you're a simpsons fan and she immediately shows me a tattoo and a weird spot and it was no one expects the butterfly i'm like i don't get it and she's like you're n- i was challenged oh, you ruined it you're not a true simpsons fan uh. you're not a true simpsons fan but i got it what, in there was it I, of the butterfly or was it, it was the just the, text? it was just the fucking text uh was it no, uh, no one expects, expects the was it above her butt crack okay yeah mm. <laughs> i see not the most yeah. elegant place for that send us your simpsons tattoo yeah. on your butt crack grandpa explains death which is this line of the show do we want to give it that yes. we got the most mileage out of it yes the joke. Huh, maybe I need to talk to somebody with a little more age and wisdom. Death stalks you at every turn. Grandpa? Well, it does. Ah, <laughs> death, there it is. Death. It's only Maggie. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, at my age, the mind starts playing tricks. So, ah, death. That's only the cat. Oh, ah, <laughs> death. That's Maggie again, Grandpa. Oh, where were we? Death! <laughs> I, I like we get one more death in the yeah. background. We get mm-hmm. the one death in the, the background from the Starland it's... vocal band oh. gag. But him being obsessed with death, that's, it, gives, it gives Grandpa something to do. But he should know he'll never die because he's Grandpa. Mm-hmm. It, it would be too far for them to kill Grandpa. Like he's they too beloved. Wouldn't do that. And in case you don't know who Starland vocal band is, oh, which yeah. is Homer's Ooh, tattoo. They suck. Here, here's their one hit. Such a very leisurely video. video. It was Arrested Development that had to point out yes. that this song is way dirtier than you think it yes. is. And that video had like literal metaphoric eja- ejaculations. That's yeah. true. So That's what those skyrockets and flight the are. People man. look too wholesome to be singing about yeah. like afternoon nookie though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, and I, it's just That's what I call it. I only think it's weird. It might have been one other place, but this and PCU both took jabs at Starlin Vocal Band, a band I have never heard of in my life. Mm-hmm. So I grew up thinking this is the worst band ever too. And it's <laughs> not even. It could be true. I don't know. Right? It could be true. They more famously got a variety show in the seventies, and uh, which is only remembered because David Letterman did bits on it. Oh, right. It was one of the first things he did. So you can look up a very young, though still grumpy, David Letterman. Like you can watch David Letterman do his man on the street thing at a Ren fair. And talking guys like, you're supposed to be a renaissance man, but you're a carny. Mm, it's no Pink Lady and Jeff. <laughs> the ultimate 70s variety show. Uh, then, yeah, we get then we go to the funeral, which this is where I, I always call this episode the Blood and Guts Murphy episode. Yeah. Because it's just so catchy this way of calling Sue's it. Sue's the phone. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to bid farewell to Blood and Guts Murphy. No, it was Bleeding Gums Murphy. Anyway, Bloody Gums Murphy was quite the sousaphone player. Saxophone! He was a jazz musician! You didn't know him! Nobody knew him! But he was a great man! And I won't rest until all of Springfield knows the name Bleeding Gums Murphy! 
And I won't rest until I've gotten a hot dog. Homer, this is a cemetery. Hot dogs! Get your hot dogs here! Woohoo! What do you do? Follow my husband around? Hmm. Lady, he's putting my kids through college. Yeah, Lisa's crusade for bleeding gums is so odd because, Lisa, you've not mentioned him in five years. <laughs> he's well, not that important to you. I could see his death spurring her to care more. Yeah, I but if, see that. if he had come up more in the past, I could buy this. It just feels like hmm. he appears only to die... And oh, they're trying to milk some pathos out I of it. I forgot one other time. In, uh, in Bart's dog gets an F, she did sew him into the family yeah, quilt. He okay, was important, okay. man. But uh, for the past, let's say, three years, three he's Three years, forgotten. he's not mattered. She's been busy. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, and then meanwhile... The, Put my kids through college is my second favorite line. Putting my kids through, through college. That delivery Sounds makes like John Lovitz, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. not him, but it's a John Lovitz kind of voice. Yeah. Uh, and then... This is something, too, this episode kind of wastes this B-plot on, like, I would love to see a whole episode that's about Bart suing Krusty and the lawsuit and courtroom scenes. Yes, I mean, we're... But we, instead, it all happens off camera. We get Lionel Hutz, but we're denied a Lionel Hutz courtroom scene. Yeah, And this joke with the OJ lawyers feels like they said no. The yeah. producer said, no, you can't do this joke. And they're like, we're doing it. We're doing yes. it whatever way we but can. They, they still come off as the most distinctive looking Simpsons characters yes. ever yeah. made. They they didn't put in Johnny Cochran, but it's the rest of the OJD that dream team. That doesn't make team. sense. Good news, Bart. The Krusty O Serial Corp has settled your case for $100,000. Less, of course, my legal fees. What kind of legal fees? Well, for a case this complex, I had to assemble a crack team of lawyers. Ronald Chaporo, trial attorney. Albert Dershman, who can hold three billiard balls in his mouth. How much of the hundred thou do I get? Five hundred dollars? <laughs> yes, well, uh... Cool. Glad you're happy. Let's roll. <laughs> Love to take off in a pickup truck with Dershmer yeah. in the back. It's supposed to be, uh, like, the Bronco. Yeah. That's why it's weird. Uh, oh, yeah. no. Yes, it is that kind been... of a joke. Yeah, it's... This is awful. <laughs> it's officially awful now. The, the one saving grace I like is yet another Bart fantasy in which something bad happens to him, and he, mm-hmm. he walks away from that saying, cool. He like, loses $500 on one roulette spin. And he but... thinks it's cool. Yeah, but uh, so Robert Shapiro and Alan Dershowitz are the people in Bart's living room for about five seconds. I do like mm-hmm. the joke with the pool balls in his mouth. Yeah. That's kind of funny, but ultimately it's it just like... References. But why? Not Cochran or Kardashian? Why these two? What the fuck? They can only fit in two, I guess. Like these were the two least uh, controversial. Like Johnny Cochran was easily the most controversial because he dared to hate cops and be a proud black guy who fucked over cops. I mean, ultimately, it does make sense as to why there was only five hundred dollars left with Mm. this legal team. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, though it also flash forward the next episode. Lionel Hutz will be hanging out in Junkie Town, burning <laughs> things in a dumpster. So he flew through that money really fast. I think it all went up his nose. <laughs> yes, yeah. So then we get Homer kind of knocking jazz, saying "D's and do's." I like, I do like. You just replace the D's with do's. Dough. <laughs> it's cute, cute little wordplay, but that's see, there's so many jokes in this one that like that aren't like laughers that they just go. You go like, yeah, it's cute. Yeah, that's yeah, clever. It's cute. Oh, that's clever. Jazz stations in America though aren't very popular. <laughs> <laughs> I think the internet really helped him out a lot, but I this is my second favorite line. Of the I episode. do like this. Hi, I have a request. I would like you to do a tribute to Beating Gums Murphy, please. No, oh, I'd love to, little sister, but we don't have his album. What if I could find it? Well, I'd spin it for you, but you know, ain't no one gonna hear it. Our broadcast range is only 23 feet, which makes us the most <laughs> powerful jazz station in the entire U.S. of A. Gee, your station has a lot of problems. Tell me about it. Just look at our morning guy. Hello, this is Mole Man in the Morning. 
Good mole man to you. Today, part four of our series of the agonizing pain in which I live every day. <laughs> I just love that his saying is good mole man to you. He's really leaning into his brand. <sighs> uh, good mole man to you. Then it turns out the comic book guy has the sax on the beach album, which that is very fitting. That is just the type of guy who would own a rare jazz totally. album who would then double the price when he finds out it's more in demand. I'm glad it was him. I'm only mildly disappointed. It could have been a perfect, a perfect springboard for a record store guy. Yeah. yeah. Simpsons, but they I would have guess, created a new record store guy. I'm just looking at the writers right now. They don't seem like music. Uh, no, be audiophiles. Not to really. Me. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. Al Jean and Mike Reese, again, it's their greatest hits. They got to work Burns in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Lisa needs $500 and briefly Burns is like, stringing her along with the money on a string that's pretty cute (laughs) yeah yeah but But, they had to work him in you know they had to yeah though the second lisa said five hundred dollars i was like well okay bart's buying the album yeah this is just also the lines just go together so easily and they don't subvert any of it and i did feel as a kid in 1995 i liked them being kind of current with a pog joke really good lisa look what i've got ta-da Bart, I can't believe it. But why? When I said my stomach hurt, you were the only one who believed me. Oh, thank you. But $500? You'll never see that much money again. Oh, yeah? Take a look at this. Flesh-eating bacteria, just yes. to make the E. coli joke more obvious. Now, get it. I, I do like the Pog joke, although that's a that's an awful Pog. Like, how do you play with that giant <laughs> Frisbee Pog? Yeah. But again, invented by Steve Allen. So. As a Steve Allen man. Yeah. Yes. By the way, the Simpsons had their own Pogs that are quite uh, rare now. Yes. Skycaps. I'm they, sure they're worth uh, pennies. Yeah. Upon pennies. Skybox in 1994, as, as they were making the Simpsons trading cards, they also made the Skycaps, a.k.a. Pog. I bought a ton of those at an outlet mall where they also wow. sold Sorny TVs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knocked this episode, but I will say I do like A and B plots coming together as opposed yes. to the B plot being completely separate. This is the B plot solving the A yeah, plot. Yeah, you figured once Bart got Lisa to the hospital, this story had run its course. And yeah. I totally forgot it existed. Yeah. So it showed up. Again, though, uh, an episode where Bart sees Krusty would have just been a good episode anyway. Yeah. Like, I wish they hadn't burned that. Again, this so maudlin, though, that, like, basically magic makes the entire town here's here bleeding gums murphy's music <sighs> i did the best i could bleeding gums Yeah, that was Bleeding Gum sending a lightning bolt down from heaven yes, to uh, expand yeah. the uh, reception of Man, that radio station. Showed that kind of care and attention to his career while he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then Bleeding Gums Murphy appears in the clouds to say goodbye, and we get a very who caught like, this? Deep. There's no way we caught this. I as kids. got it as a kid in '95. I don't or believe real. you. Or real, I did because I don't believe you. 
I I was enough of a new weeb at the time to know that people were saying that the Lion King ripped off a manga. I hadn't read Kimba. The, yeah, that the controversy is like a year old. I wouldn't find yeah. out about this for another decade. Actually, I think I was reading Entertainment Weekly in yeah. 94, 95, and that's when there was some uh, hubbub about oh, the possible prob- theft. They yeah. were probably talking about it at the time. Well, yeah. it's not that Gene and Reese were like manga fans or anything well, it's I mean, that they, they wanted to take a knock at disney by yeah. saying they stole from the lion the lion king ripped they, off it's they something. are kids of the 60s and they did see the anime when That's they were true. kids it and they i think America. they mentioned that on the commentary they're like okay. this the lion king reminded us of a show we saw as kids called kimba and that's why we oh, put we, this put this joke in the show you yes. should let them hear the clip so they know what it is oh yeah that was for you bleeding gums you've made an old jazz man happy lisa you must avenge my death, Kimba. I mean, Simba. Luke, I am your father. This is CNN. Will you guys pipe down? I'm saying goodbye to Lisa. We're sorry. I don't want you to go. Sorry, but I have to. Goodbye. What the heck? Once more from the top. Yeah. Yay! Oh, man. That's, that is yeah. that is almost all Disney-owned properties I, at this point. God, I oh, really wish yeah. they had gotten uh, James Earl Jones to do those voices and not Harry Shearer. I mean, Me he, too. he has a good job, but, I mean, James Earl he, Jones has been on the show twice before. Exactly, and Harry Shearer's had to fill in for him in the past, I think. Maybe yeah. James Earl Jones has a thing that he doesn't want to play his other character. That, that could be it. We should play the CNN bumper. This, these were yeah, bumpers that were on the air. They're on is. now. They're, They're still there. He's still really? the, this totally. CNN guy? Wow, totally. okay. This is CNN. There you go. That was an old sting I had not heard in a while. Uh, Jesus Christ. That I made me know that little kid Chris sick. I know that music. Yeah. But no, no he still says this is CNN. Okay. James Earl Jones is still, still the us? voice of Vader. Yeah. He's, he's shockingly still alive. I know. It's... He I, played an old guy 25 years ago. I'm of two minds of the Vader thing. I'm just like, as long as James Earl Jones is alive, I do want oh, him course. to be Vader. But when I heard him in Rogue One, I'm like, you sound so old, Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And that's when he was kicking the most ass ever yeah. on screen. <laughs> yeah, I know. He just sounded so old. And I wonder how he's going to sound as Mufasa in the new Lion King he as in the well. New Lion King he's too? the one they're bringing wow. back. He's still playing Mufasa, but everybody else has been recast. So nothing changes for James Earl Jones. Yeah. His life is exactly the same. If I had to pick one person from The Lion King they bring back to reprise their role in it, I, I would pick him. Matthew Broderick. Yeah. No one remembers it in the movie. Maybe Nathan Lane would be my second choice after him. I really like Billy Eichner. As Ernie yeah, Sabella. It's perfect. Oh, yeah, Billy Eichner as uh, Tamoon is great. Yes. Oh, growth, Pumbaa. I cannot wait. Come on. Come on. Uh, Timon's going to scream at the top of his lungs. (laughs) Uh, But But yeah, yeah. so a real, a bit of a treacly ending where they then reprise jazz band, which will be our outro music. I I was not this down on this episode last night, but after revisiting it here... Mm -hmm. A lot of these are not great Simpsons jokes. No, uh, yeah. especially compared to where we are in yeah. Simpsons history. Yeah, it's it's watchable, but it's far under the season six bar mm-hmm. that's been set. Compared to like say Homie the Clown, where we're laughing every Bart's second, Comet. every line, oh. or Bart's Comet, or even the episode right before this, the PTA disbands, which is oh, such it's a good. Episode, and I just yeah. I have written very few things, but I imagine the Kimba joke. That's what we were talking about. Lion King yeah. ripping off an old. 
what is it called? Uh, Kimba, Kimba the White, the White Lion. Kimba the White Lion. Like by Osama. Tezuka, I know the if Godfather I if I turn that into my boss, I would have to take that joke out. <laughs> there, it's too distracting. Yeah, and there's no reason to make a joke on a joke on a joke. Yeah, it's it's a bit too. It's a little sweaty. I, I don't think I picked yeah. up on it for ten years. Actually, I <laughs> never would have understood what it meant, or I just missed it entirely. It is very much a critic joke, though, yes. to make a specific that that specific movie joke of that era of that year, even. Yeah, I I think this episode's a little too treacly. Yeah, yeah, a little too, and not funny enough to make up for it. And making and just going with the obvious thing instead of a an undercutting of it, which I would expect more from The Simpsons. So yeah, and I think the later clip show next year's clip show even kind of makes fun of this episode by saying oh, nobody cares about bleeding bleeding Gums murphy in the first place like <laughs> yep. it's he they wasn't were important. never popular yeah. oh, is that next year yeah it's next year yeah. next year uh which is so good like yeah this hey look they tried they obviously i'm glad they could at least be honest on the commentary of like we wanted to win an award this it didn't work was sheer emmy bait yes. but uh you know what it's a lower point in season six not quite as low as the the first clip show mm-hmm. of the season so but on the plus side for fox it got them another episode from a different production team to yeah. then add to the syndication package and earn more money and that's why critic season two is only 10 episodes one of which is a clip show yeah listen to talking critic clip show so yes, uh, thank you so much for listening, folks. This has been Talking Simpsons. I've been your host, Bob Mackey, and my other podcast is Retronauts. Every Monday, with an occasional bonus episode on Friday, go to retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcatcher and you'll find it. I recommend you look up one of our Simpsons-based episodes if you want to get into the show. We've covered Bart versus the Space Mutants, the Ugh. Simpsons Arcade Game, and Bart's Nightmare, Ugh. which is uh, also bad. But the <laughs> Simpsons Arcade Game is great. great. And I'm on Twitter as Bob Servo. I'm H.E.N.E.R. YG on Twitter and you can follow me there for updates on this show also you can follow this on patreon.com slash talking simpsons where you can hear every episode a week early and ad free not to mention a ton of exclusives including if you like this critic talk you can hear every episode of talking critic on there plus we have some really good interviews coming up or are have been posted but <laughs> just keep an eye on them at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and we've got that live show coming up yes January oh, 28th Free. It's free. Just make it to the city, and we'll we'll touch you in some I way. I need to learn to lose thirty pounds. <laughs> oh God! You got a sharp enough knife, Chris? We'll make it happen. Oh God! There's, I heard there's uh, somebody from a podcast company going to be there looking Ooh. to sign people. Ooh. I'm just kidding. It's my ticket to exist. SNL, baby. This is my ticket out of this dump. <laughs> but yes, uh, laser time. You guys were both on last year's semi sequel to filthiest christmas songs yes we managed to find a whole new slew of them hopefully this is going up on christmas it is isn't it Uh, in december December, yes uh but there's that laser time uh you guys are on next year we're gonna hit some cartoon shit really hard Mm -hmm. so if you want to dig deep into like serious cartoon lore we're gonna talk to historians we're gonna do some great video features you can find all that at lasertimepodcast.com laser time is the show that started that dumbass network uh that's topic based I did. I did just uh, watch the Simpsons Holidays of Future Past, the hmm. would be finale from five years ago. Uh, it's really, really good. And yeah. if, you, if you don't like modern episodes, watch that one and just think of it like an alternate history. And Even it's, I it's a like great it. bookend. Uh, and we did. We did that about Christmas special sequels. Every famous Christmas special has had a number two, and they're all terrible, and we've forgotten <laughs> almost every one. They all want another Buy That Apple. Exactly. And, uh, and 302010 is also a show, if you like the stupid news segment I do at the top, uh, we look 30, 20, and 10 years ago to the releases of that week. I think we're in Simpsons Season 9 at this mm. point, so that there's 8 or 9, uh, and that that's really fun to do, to see where you were, what we were watching, what was happening in the news 30, 20, and 10 years ago. 
uh, and Video Game Apocalypse, the weekly video game show that you all have been on, including, mm-hmm. I believe, the best of the year discussion, because you're both avid game rars. I am, like and, the game uh, yeah, Danganronpa we've, we've V3. Sorry, Danganronpa V3 got robbed by everybody, including VGA, and I will boycott every website and I'd podcast. I haven't voted yet. Okay. yet, but I'm available for bribery. I will Not bribe enough you, Chris. people played it, but uh, That's their problem. If, uh, if a game falls in the woods and nobody played it, <laughs> oh, will it be you're, game you're of the You're making me sad now. That's what they should call the Vita Storm. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next week with the Springfield Connection. See you then. When the Come on, Lisa. I got a date with Billy Holiday.